The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the show. And how are you today? I am always so excited when we do this show. You know why? Because I have the greatest listeners in America. Yes, I do. I have people that follow this show all the time and have helped make this show number one. You know why? Because you, like me, you're the real deal. You care about quality of life, employment, freedom, independence for people with disabilities. That is why, oh, you're going to love the show today. We have a great leader on the show today. And by the way, guess where I last saw him? At the White House. When they had the top disability leaders at the White House, that's the last time I saw him. He is a champion for all children and adults with autism. He has worked for years to improve the quality of life for people with autism, and he is Mr. Lee Grossman, President and CEO of Autism Society of America. Lee, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Joyce. Uh, That was a wonderful introduction, and I'm glad that you emphasized the fact that we uh, support adults uh, because when people think about autism, they hardly ever think about adults, and it's it's unfortunately so rarely brought up in the conversation. Yeah, why is that? Why, Why is that? Every time, you're right, every time, now you know why I say adults? Because I've hired people with autism. So I guess, you know, that's the end I'm seeing. I'm seeing people with Asperger's syndrome or, you know, just autism that we have hired who are working successfully. Do you hear that, employers? Working successfully in IT, finance, accounting, or various positions. Um, But you're right. Even on the news media, it's always children, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, And we all need to recognize the fact that this is a lifespan condition. Uh, the vast majority of people that are diagnosed today with autism will live the rest of their lives with that diagnosis. Uh, and that's not to say it's a bad thing. Uh, and, and they will also be living the majority of their lives in, in the adult service sector and under adult services. And not enough energy and emphasis in place in that area, and uh, that's, that's something that we're working very hard to change. Well, it's like epilepsy. Mm-hmm. I have epilepsy. Children have epilepsy. When you have epilepsy, you always have it. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're living, you're going to have it. See, and that's a big question we'll talk about later is what happens to those adults. But my first question for all of our listeners is, Lee, how mm-hmm. did you get involved in the disability community? And number two, what made you decide to become an advocate? Because there are many people that get involved, but they don't all decide to be a great person like you and do something about it. 
Well, I was recruited into this business, <laughs> so to speak, uh, and I was recruited by my second son, uh, Vance, who uh, right now is a, is a young man uh, who has the uh, diagnosis of autism. Uh, he was diagnosed in uh, 1991, and um, it it and I and I think that my story isn't unique. I, I can say that for just about any parent of a child with autism, is that it changes your life and uh, puts uh, gives you a different perspective on uh, really everything going forward. Uh, and it's through the fact that I, I have a child with autism and having to become an advocate for him and how his needs can best be met from an advocacy uh, point of view by helping the community in general is, is really what has led me, uh, uh, led me into this field and, and, and doing what I'm doing today. Well, I'm glad that you made that decision to do something about it. Um, first, because some of our, I mean, there's so many different groups people talk about, you know, with autism. Would you mind explaining to our listeners what is Autism Society of America and what is your website? Well, um, I'll start out with our website. Our website is autism-society.org. Uh, it's the most uh, visited website uh, in the world. Um, and uh, it's full of great resources and information about all things autism. And as I said, it, it addresses lifespan uh, issues. Um, our organization is 44 years young. Uh, we are the largest grassroots autism organization uh, in the United States. And uh, we focus our energies around support, education, and advocacy uh, for people uh, on the autism spectrum as well as their families. And our major public policy issues are centered around the fact that uh, we believe that uh, autism has become a human rights issue, uh, as well as uh, many of the issues that are involved in the general disability community. Uh, we are always, always advocating for improving the quality of life for individuals with autism and uh, the entire disability community. And we, sh we believe strongly that the way that we will improve the quality of life is through uh, very progressive uh, systems change, which is is, tr is uh, dramatically needed in this country. Um, that's uh, it in a nutshell. We have uh, approximately 150 <coughs> chapters uh, throughout the throughout the country that serve our mission on a, in the communities and and locally. And um, I'm very very proud of, of our organization. I think the thing that makes me the most proud uh, about the Autism Society is that. We have numerous collaborations and uh, collaborative efforts with other disability organizations, and we feel very, very strongly that uh, we are a part of the more general disability community as, uh, because autism somehow has been looked at as being unique and separate, but we don't feel that way. We feel that uh, our long-term objectives about improving quality of life will best be served when all with disabilities that includes people with autism, uh, that their quality of life will improve as well. Well, for example, um, Lee, as you know, I just became two weeks ago the national chair of the Epilepsy Foundation. I know. Congratulations. Which, which is, yes, thank you, which is such a great honor to me. Mm, but just as you mentioned, 
There are people with epilepsy, but they also have autism. Yes. I mean, this is not, you know, this is far more involved than people think. It's not these silos that people think that they are. Um, but our first question, because so you know this, uh, Lee, we are, we sent out a press release ahead of time when we have people on the show, and we are on Twitter, we're on MySpace, we're on Facebook, and, of course, my own website, VendorConsult.com, where, so people can ask questions uh, as we're on the air. And the first is, uh, Mr. Grossman, if I may ask this question, how would you define autism? Because it does seem like there are different levels. I meet people that I would say have severe intellectual disabilities that they say have autism. Then I see people that are working in a professional job who have autism. How do you define it? And the Uh, question is from Tom. Well, Tom, uh, that is an excellent question. Uh, The actual diagnosis of autism is listed in the uh, DSM-4, which is a uh, psychiatry journal that uh, spells out what the diagnostic diagnostic criteria are for various conditions and disabilities. Uh, That entire diagnosis is based on observational behavioral symptoms. And uh, there are certain characteristics that a person that would fall under autism spectrum disorder would have of, of uh, of these common characteristics. And if they have uh, a number of these, uh, categ- they fall into a number of these categories and they're put on the autism spectrum. It is a spectrum disorder. What that means is that a, a person who has a diagnosis of autism could, could be uh, relatively little involved and can live a normal life, have a family, etc. cetera. Uh, and then on the other uh, other end of the spectrum, you might have uh, people that um, have severe needs and need 24-hour care and will need that type of care for the rest of their lives. Um, there's uh, typical terms that are thrown out, like high-functioning and low-functioning, and I, I frankly despise those terms. And the reason is is that I have yet to meet a person with autism that is, uh, that's either high-functioning or low-functioning that doesn't have significant needs. Uh, many people that are high functioning with autism, for example, might be able. They might. They may have savant skills. They may be a math genius, for example, but they can't hold a job, or they, or there's many of their basic life skills they're not able to do. And I've also met people who are very low functioning, so, so-called low functioning, that have severe needs, but yet can do remarkable. Uh, that have remarkable abilities. Overall, I have yet to meet a person with autism that, when given the proper supports, proper services, can't improve their life significantly. And that's really what, we, what we're talking about when we talk about improving the quality of life through systems change, that we're trying to rectify the systems that are currently in place so they can better serve an individual with disabilities. I think, I think that is great that mm-hmm. you explained it that way because, you know what, People do say that all the time. The, the high-functioning, low-functioning, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I guess they mean the one person has this at a different level than another. I'm, right. I'm not. Uh, but what that implies is, okay, high-functioning. I am really have no problems. I'm ready to go. 
low-functioning, uh, forget it, I would have, there's no hope for me. Right. And, and um, I, have met, I, I have many friends who are on the autism spectrum and some people that have severe needs and need uh, 24-hour assistance who are brilliant. Uh, uh, they're, they're incredible writers or artists. Uh, the way that they can, we found other ways for them to communicate using augmentative uh, devices and it's just amazing. They're brilliant. And at the same time, I've met people that are on the other end of the spectrum that, that need seemingly little services that may have multiple college degrees but yet can't hold a job because the, their condition of autism uh, hampers their ability to hold a job. Um, well, well, you know what? We're going to talk more about that when we come back from break. But right now, we're going to break... We have as our guest Lee Grossman, President and CEO of Autism Society of America, a leader in America for people, children, and adults with autism. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. Hey, if you just joined us, welcome. We have Lee Grossman, the President and CEO of Autism Society of America. You know, I do want to say, I mentioned earlier, if you didn't hear me, that the last time I saw uh, Lee was at the White House, and right now he's doing this radio show live from the Hill in Washington, D.C. See what I mean about him? He is a man on the move. Uh, but about the White House, I just wanted to mention that Kareem Dale uh, did an awesome thing. He arranged this meeting for disability leaders to meet with the, um, 
several of the top people in the Obama administration, and, and each of those pe- people, starting with Valerie Jarrett, spoke about President Obama's commitment to people with disabilities. And uh, it was wonderful. It was great. Um, I was just so excited to be there. But, Lee, I wanted to tell you that last year on Election Day, Kareem and Michael Stratmanis were on my radio show. Oh. Yes, and mm-hmm. Michael Stratmanis talked about his son, Jury, who has autism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, the president is really committed to disability. I think you will agree. Wasn't that a great day at the White House? Oh, it was. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it, it's been very encouraging to see this new attitude uh, uh, in the White House towards disabilities, and I believe that uh, their efforts are very, very sincere towards improving uh, the lives of everybody that ha- that has a disability, as, as well as their their loved ones. Um, it, uh, this administration has inherited a lot of big problems, and uh, I, being here in D.C., some people are expressing some frustration that there hasn't been an, enough movement uh, towards helping people with disabilities. Well, I, I we know that it's a priority, and there's a lot of issues out there that this administration needs to be dealing with. And uh, as I keep reminding people, let's, let's let them deal with these other issues that have to be dealt with. Uh, uh, they're going to get around to us. That's a promise and a commitment that they've made to us. And, and, and uh, we feel very confident that uh, in a very short order that uh, they'll start addressing the needs of the, of the disability community. Yeah, and I believe they will. You know, and, an example of that, by the way, is if you saw when the president talked about the Supreme Court nominee, mm-hmm. when he talked about her and mentioned about Judge Sotomayor, and when she was a little girl, she read those Nancy Drew stories. That's how she got interested in the law and was told at the young age of nine, well, you can't do any of these things because you have diabetes. And here she is mm-hmm. in America. Don't let those challenges stop you. Oh, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was so awesome. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he is doing a lot of things, but just as you said, how long has he been there? Not long yet. (laughs) He's already done a lot of things, but, boy, we all want everything, all of us Mm -hmm. want everything immediately, but it will come to pass. I have no no doubt about that. Um, What I wanted to ask you, Lee, is as you alluded to earlier, when people think of autism, they think of children, not adults. But I did, you know, I do see in the paper all the time about this large number of children being diagnosed with autism. Can you talk about that breakdown between adults and children for a minute? Well, it's uh, it, it's hard. We we don't know how many adults there are with autism. We've been guesstimating, and it really is a guesstimation in the U.S. that there's approximately 1.5 million people uh, that have been diagnosed with autism, uh, and yet. Uh, school districts, etc. When we add up the numbers there, it looks about school-age children that there's approximately 600,000 uh, children with autism. So that's a huge number of adults that are currently in the adult service sector. Uh, if if we're to accept those numbers, and and quite frankly, I'm not I'm not very comfortable with those numbers. I do believe there's probably uh, that 1.5 million uh, number of, of people with autism. The reason why we don't have as many people identified uh, with autism as most people, adults with autism, as people would think is that the, the 
diagnostic criteria of autism was greatly expanded um, in the mid-90s. So many people prior to that, um, to the mid-90s, uh, were perhaps diagnosed with, a, with some other disability or condition and did not meet the criteria of autism. Uh, so the, the expansion of the criteria for autism as well as awareness has uh, contributed greatly to many, many more people now being diagnosed with autism. Obviously, uh, you're going to get diagnosed when you're a child, and uh, that, that contributes quite a bit to uh, the increase in the numbers of, of people being diagnosed with autism. Um, it, when we try and add up all the numbers, though, of uh, this increased awareness uh, and the broadening of the diagnostic criteria, it still does not add up to the tremendous numbers that we're seeing. The Centers for Disease Control in February of 2007 came out with their latest prevalence uh, rate in autism, and they said that it was about 1 in 150 uh, eight-year-olds in the country have autism. Uh, we are currently tracking uh, through some of the data that we're getting from uh, state schools. Uh, state departments of education, as well as some medical centers where that number seems to be closer to 1 in 100. So 1% of the population, uh, and we think that when the CDC rates come out, hopefully later this year, their update, that that will correlate more closely with what we're seeing at about 1 in 100, about 1% of the population now is being diagnosed with autism. We, from our perspective, we believe that these rates uh, that, again, broadening the criteria has, has added to the numbers, greater awareness has added to, added to it, but it still doesn't add up to this tremendous increase. And we think that, the, that this increase is primarily be, being driven by environmental factors. Is that right? Such yeah. as what? What would you say? Well, we, d we don't know. In, 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 uh, in the last 100 years or so, uh, our... Our population has been exposed to 80,000 new chemicals, and of that, about 200 or so have been adequately studied, and only of that, probably less than 30, have really been evaluated for their neurotoxic uh, properties. And it just doesn't seem as though, if this is considered a genetic uh, disorder, that the that people who have autism have genetic predisposition for that that the rates would change that dramatically unless there was some sort of exposure, and we don't know what that is, and it could be multiple things, um, that are caused through either a neurotoxicant or some other aspects that are occurring in the environment that are contributing to this tremendous rise in, uh, uh, in autism. And uh, it just it, everything that we're looking at seems to be bearing that out. Well, <clears throat> Lee, in reference to the children that you work with, what would you say is the biggest challenge for a child with autism? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an excellent question, Joyce. And uh, not to be flippant, but I think life is their, their biggest challenge. Um, they are uh, essentially wired uh, to a degree that's different from what, how we refer to people without autism as being neurotypical. And the way that they perceive the world, the way that they think, the way that information is taken in and then and then and then shared is different. 
Um, it's not to say it's bad, because in most cases, I don't think it is. Uh, it, it, and in many cases, it provides them with gifts and abilities that go far beyond uh, their neurotypical peers. Uh, what we need to do, as we've done with the, the blind community, the deaf community, people that are physically disabled, we need to begin to make accommodations for them so that they can improve the quality of their life. Uh, obviously, they, they may learn differently. They may uh, need to communicate differently. But what, if we do make those accommodations for them, uh, then we'll be able to truly uh, benefit from the unique gifts that many people with autism have. Um, I, one of the other very important aspects of autism that isn't addressed are the medical needs of, uh, of, of people, children with autism and adults also. But when you look at children with autism, uh, last year the federal government finally, after much insistence uh, by us and others, uh, determined that autism should be classified as a chronic medical condition. The reason is is that most people with autism have other uh, other medical problems that contribute to their be their their more negative behaviors or their their ability not to attend and learn. And unfortunately, most children with autism don't get a comprehensive medical exam to not only find and and evaluate what other medical conditions may exist, but they're certainly not getting treated for those conditions. So let's say, for example, uh, we believe that 60 to 80% of the people with autism have gastric uh, intestinal disorders of some sort. And some of them are rather severe. Could you imagine having a gastric ulcer or esophageal reflux or some other uh, very, very uh, painful uh, medical condition that could be treated by conventional medical means and not having that treated, how difficult it would be for a child or an adult to sit and attend to learn. Uh, you can almost imagine if they're in this incredible pain how that can contribute to some of their more negative behavioral symptoms. And, uh, and, and that is something that we're always emphasizing is that when, you, when, a, when a person with autism has a negative behavior, it may not be, it, it, well, in most cases, let's first rule out that it's not medically a result of some sort of other medical problem. Uh, we believe that the majority of these, of, of these issues can be mitigated and their quality of life can be improved once we address the medical issues. Well, that is something that is, wow, I mean, if that's happening that much, that's, Shocking. But, you know, not surprising when you think the whole thing out. That's why if you're listening to the show and you have a child or if you have autism or you know an adult with autism or you're interested in this, make sure you tell your friends to come back and listen to this show. So important. With Lee Grossman, the president and CEO of Autism Society of America. We're going to go to break and we'll be right back with Lee. This is Joyce Bender. Disability matters every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back.
opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at pornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, and welcome back to the show. We're on the air live with Lee Grossman, President and CEO of Autism Society of America. Um, And we do have someone talking to us on Twitter. Here's a question for you, Lee, and it is from a Mary. And the question is, uh, Mr. Grossman, I don't know if you work with this or not, at your society, but the question is, what do you think of using dogs for children with autism? um, Good question, Mary. Uh, With this being a spectrum disorder, there are some people that will respond well uh, to certain uh, interventions, services, supports, and therapies, and uh, and every individual with autism is is very different. And we often say that once you've met a person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Um, there are some people I know that have uh, uh, that, that use dogs uh, for uh, assistance, and they seem to work really, really well. Um, and then there's some that it hasn't uh, worked for them. Um, I sometimes relate my own experiences uh, through my 
to my son with autism, and he would have been a person that would not have done well uh, with the service dog. Uh, but yet I've met many, many other families that, that have uh, utilized that, and their, their child and, and adult seems to, seem to have responded well, and it's worked well for them. So, you know, this reminds me of, again, with epilepsy, although I know this is totally different, but mm-hmm. some people use dogs, you know, hoping to prevent seizures mm-hmm. or to help them, and then with other people it does not work. So, you know, that's interesting, but I have to tell you, I didn't know that they used dogs with autism. What is the purpose of that, just as a well, companion um, or? It, it's, um, well, it, again, in, in the cases that I've seen, each one has been different. Uh, and it hasn't uh, really caught on, and, and it, it's not happening a lot in autism. But for some people, uh, I, I've seen it just in terms of companionship. It makes them feel uh, closer to um, uh, so that they can develop their social sociability. Uh, in some cases, the dog has actually helped them. Uh, the person may have um, a, a hyper or hyposensitivity in one of their senses, and the dog would uh, kind of give them a, a, a balance on that. Um, it, um, uh, some, some people just have a difficult time navigating, and uh, when overwhelmed or becoming anxious, they'll shut down. And a dog then would also, uh, in, in those cases, the dog has, provides them a kind of sense of balance and control. Um, so, again, it, it's been very, very different for each individual. Many people tell me, Lee, that um, their child, you know, had autism, but that it took a very long time to come up with this diagnosis. Is that something that happens often? Well, yes. Um, Again, everybody, so many people talk about how the awareness of autism is is so great. Well, most of the data doesn't really uh, support the fact that it's that this increased awareness has done anything to improve services. Uh, we believe, and at least there's anecdotal evidence to, that, can, that supports this, that if you diagnose a person with autism early, and we're, we're saying like in the first, before they're three years old, two and a half, three years old, and you provide them with appropriate individualized and intensive services and supports, that you can improve their life significantly and reduce their service costs throughout their lifespan by two-thirds. Now, the average cost in the U.S. Uh, of lifespan services for an individual with autism is approximately $3.5 million. So you can see if you can reduce the cost by two-thirds, that would be great. Now, what we're seeing in the, in the data, and again, people are saying, well, geez, you've got all this awareness in autism. It seems like uh, you'd be able to improve services. Well, that's not happening. And and you'd be able to improve, in, in, improve and increase the uh, uh, the time that a child is, is diagnosed. That's not happening either. Still, in the U.S., uh, the average age of diagnosis for individual with autism is about four and a half years old. And and that's and that's if you're if you're a, a child in a uh, Caucasian white family, uh, if you're an underprivileged family or in a minority family, that age of diagnosis on average increases to about six years, three months, six years, six months. Uh, 
which means that it's really the public schools that are probably identifying these kids and then getting them to a, to a, a place where they can get a diagnosis. And that's the reality of autism today in the U.S. Wow. Well, I want to tell you something I want to talk about for a few minutes, uh, Lee, and it is something that is very near and dear to my heart. That is bullying. <clears throat> because I started eight years ago doing volunteer work in Delaware and, of course, here in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's called the Bender Leadership Academy, training high school students with disabilities about the world of work, which I always do on site at a company such as Bear Corporation, FedEx Ground, and CSC, which is where I started. Uh, anyway, it was shocking to me as more and more of these children would tell me how they are bullied in school. And unfortunately, how several of them had attempted suicide because of that. Um, and many of them have epilepsy, many of them have psychiatric disabilities, but many of them have autism. Is this something you run into frequently, Lee? Oh, uh, yes, it's uh, epidemic. It's a, uh, a, a terrible situation. It really is a, a shame. Uh, many people with autism are passive, and uh, they can be easily taken advantage of and misled um, and, and manipulated. Uh, and that happens frequently. And actually, we're now looking into this because we believe that the vast majority of children uh, with autism at some time get bullied. Uh, at school. Um, it, we also know that this is not an uncommon occurrence for adults as well. Those that are living independently, uh, again, may not fully understand what is going on, might easily be manipulated. And, and we do know of cases, get reports uh, frequently of adults that are being taken advantage of also. Um, uh, and it, it is just a terrible situation. Oh. It is. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a young man in my one class with autism that was bullied so much, he jumped in, in elementary school, he jumped in front of the UPS truck to try to commit suicide, and frequently, fortunately, thank God, it didn't work. I had uh, another young man with autism that they would beat him so much at lunchtime. You know, this is the other thing. I'm thinking, where is everyone when this is happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because somehow people think this is, oh, this is the goofy guy, and it's funny to do this. And, folks, it isn't funny. And, listen, any young people, I know I have a big following of young people, but I'm telling you right now, if you're out there, listen to me. We have your back. Never, never keep it a secret. Tell someone. If you're being bullied at school, tell someone. And I, also remember, you are important, no matter what anyone tells you. But, you know, I have to wonder, Lee, how does this happen so much at school? Well, everything you just said, I have to, I have to agree with. Uh, uh, and we should be doing a better job at school, even those children that are nonverbal, uh, giving them some sense of what it is to be bullied and find ways for them to communicate to a teacher, to a caregiver, to their parent, the fact that uh, that they, if they believe that they're getting bullied, that they can somehow uh, communicate that. 
Um, every adult with autism that I've met um, has has told me that, and and, and this is one of one of those uh, one of those falsehoods about autism that I want to make clear here, because many people with uh, people that are dealing with with autism think, well, you know, they're out of touch, they don't understand, they don't they don't have a clue what's going on. That is not what actually is going on. Every adult that I've ever met with autism has, has communicated to me that they have understood, seen, and felt every everything that a person has said to them throughout their life. They may not have the affect or they may not be able to communicate it, that they understand it, but they certainly know what's going on. And I, and that's, what, that's one of the things I always tell parents is that until you find out otherwise, and you're never really going to know, assume that your child understands everything that's going on and treat them as such. Um, and when I give talks to classrooms, I tell the, tell the kids in the classroom that the person that, with autism understands everything that you're doing, and you want to treat them the way that you're being treated. And I've had so many, now I'm talking about juniors, seniors in school, that have told me stories like the one young man had an issue with um, with ketchup. Couldn't stand being around ketchup or seeing it. So these kids start putting it over all this stuff. Then they start calling him names. Then they start calling him ketchup boy. Then they started doing all these other things. You know, you do that to someone all day long. It's so demeaning. Mm-hmm. I, I, it is. And, you know, I don't know how you can't think of what that's going to do to someone else. But listen to me right now. We're not putting up with it anymore. No, we're not. We're going to speak up about this. That should not be allowed in any school, anywhere, or in the place of work. Because just as Lee said, children become adults. And then they get it all over again. But we're not going to take it. And with that, listen, we're going to go to break. Before we come back to close the show with Lee Grossman, President and CEO of Autism Society of America. Hold on, folks. This is Joyce Bender. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Son, we got to talk about drinking. Uh, I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. 
And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much. Unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back. Oh, we had such a good show today because we had Lee Grossman with us, the president and CEO of Autism Society of America. And you know what? Remember I told you he's out there working all the time, helping people, working to help children and adults with autism? You know, tell them where you are now, Lee. Where are you? Well, right now I'm uh, on the the House side of the Hill, House of Representatives side. And uh, earlier today we were meeting with staffers uh, for Congressman Miller, uh, who is the chair of the uh, uh, Education Committee of the House. And we were discussing uh, the latest Government and Accounting uh, Office report on seclusion and restraints in school districts in, in the U.S. And uh, if anybody is, is familiar with that uh, report, they'll know how appalling uh, the situation is in schools throughout the United States, uh, how seclusion and restraints are used against uh, so many students with disabilities and how it's rampant and it's being misused and the, the stories that are in there just paint a, a nightmarish situation that, that is currently existing in the country. And, and much to Congressman Miller's credit, uh, he wants to do something about it. He wants to change that and, uh, and work towards uh, not making, making what is currently happening uh, a thing of the past. Yeah, such as children dying. There's the. I mean, yeah, oh. children dying. Uh, to, to and those that that those that are, are subjected to this generally have long term residual effects from this: mental health issues, depression, suicidal thoughts. I mean, they are being uh, abused by trained professionals in the schools. Um, and it's just a terrible situation, and it can't be tolerated. We have to no, it about can't. It. And listen, I want to thank you, Lee, that you're out there protecting our children and doing that, and protecting our adults with disabilities. You understand what he's meaning? Children with disabilities have been. It was in USA Today, and it was on CNN how children were restrained at school, 
sat on, put in closets. And listen, I know children with epilepsy this happened to. And you know that is absolutely unacceptable. And, Lee, that brings me to my next question. You're getting me all fired up here and ready to go march <laughs> somewhere. What can all of our listeners do to help you, and how do we make a contribution to your group? Well, you know, I very uh, I, I talk to a number of uh, groups that uh, aren't disability-related, but it seems like autism is, is all, the, all the rage right now, and people want to hear about it. So when I talk to people that really don't have uh, the exposure to autism, I, I tell them that w- what I encourage them to do is to hear the stories that are out there from the autism community uh, because it, it will create a sense of passion and uh, a sense of wanting to be involved with us and with the disability community because when you hear our stories, you'll hear this incredible commitment to family. You'll hear about over, overcoming just amazing and overwhelming odds. You'll hear incredible and, and sad stories. You'll hear frustration, but you'll also hear about love and hope. And these are the stories that drive myself and, and, my, and my staff at the Autism Society on a daily, daily basis to keep doing what, what it is that we do. Um, and by hearing those stories, I'm hoping that people in, in the general community will become involved with our issues, that when we have legislation pending, when we have school districts that want to uh, restrict uh, uh, inclusion in the classroom, and when anything that would occur that we need support around, that they would rally with us and support us and 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 be there to help us. Uh, and there are going to be many, many issues that are going to that are about to happen over the next <clears throat> few years that we do need support from beyond the disability community. We need the critical mass of this of this country to support us to to uh, to to stand with us to improve the quality of life of not only people with individuals but uh, people with disabilities in general. Uh, and in terms of helping us, uh, certainly uh, if they go to our website, they'll, they'll find numerous ways to get involved with our local chapters, uh, how to become engaged with our advocacy efforts, um, how to donate to, to us, and, and, uh, um, and really how to become much more engaged in the autism community and, and helping, uh, helping people that are affected by that. All right, what is that website again? It's autism society.org. All right. Well, listen, we don't have a long time before we close the show, but I wanted to ask you, Lee, if you had to list one thing as your greatest accomplishment so far in your life, what would it be? Oh, that's, uh, that's very, very difficult to answer, Joyce, because I think that the accomplishments that, that I hope uh, to be judged on are the ones that uh, I've yet to do. Uh, there is so much more that has to be done uh, for people with autism, for people with disabilities, and our greatest achievements are yet to be realized, and that's what keeps all of us, uh, people at the Autism Society, myself, people like you, Joyce, motivated, because uh, we know that there's a much greater 
and better future are ahead of us. And, and that's where all of our energies need to be devoted towards. Well, I have to agree with you about that. <clears throat> well, with that, what message would you like to leave for all of our listeners today, Lee? Well, I, I would uh, like to say that uh, we should never give up hope. Uh, we have to demand more out of, our, out of systems that exist now. They need to pro- begin to provide services in a way that makes sense and that really does maximize the opportunities for people with disabilities, specifically with autism, so that we can improve the quality of their life. Uh, most of the, the systems that are here today are, doing not, uh, are certainly doing an inadequate job at providing for people with disabilities. Certainly, I can speak uh, very specifically about autism, and we need to demand more. Uh, it, it not only helps the people that it's serving, but it also helps the system to improve. It becomes more cost-effective, the outcomes are better, and it just creates a better United States for all of us when people with disabilities have a greater quality of life. Well, I can't agree with you more about that, and I'll tell you what, Lee. First, we want to all thank you for everything you're doing for all Americans with disabilities, children and adults, how you're out there fighting for us, how you're there right now on the Hill fighting for us, and how you have made this dedication with your life. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Joyce, for what you're doing. Well, and I also want to thank you for being on the show with us today, and I want to mention to you again, Autism Society of America, www.autism-society.org. If you need to make a contribution, I don't care if it's $5 or $500,000, There you go, autismsociety.org. Thank you very much. We end the show with a famous quote every week from someone in the civil rights area, and today it is from Tony Quello, who says, Work gives us dignity. And isn't that the truth? Work gives us dignity. Lee, thank you very much. And for everyone else, see you next week. This is Joyce Bender. VoiceAmerica.com. See you then. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.